So how many really did go to the gym for, the first, for, for their annual trip this last week? Well, how many of you made a New Year's resolution to get in shape? One of you. Come on. <laughs> Resolutions are out of style, aren't they? Uh, I, do, I do have to tell you, today is somebody's birthday. Yeah. You know whose birthday it is? It's my lovely wife, Jannie's birthday. And one of the privileges of having the microphone is you get to do stuff like that and say, happy birthday, Jannie. So, so glad that we love you. That's right. Yeah. So happy birthday. I do want to celebrate, too, the last couple of weeks. You guys, we had a great Christmas service. A lot of fun. I found myself as the Christmas service was ending and people are going out to spend time with their families I just kind of had this sentimental feeling, you know, of all the years and all the people and the connections and the relationship and so many of you that God has brought into our world over the years. All of you that you've contributed towards one another, serving one another, loving one another through the good times and the difficult times and doing life together. And I just, I was really struck by that as the Christmas Eve service wrapped up this last time. And I just, wanna, I just wanted to bring that before you and say, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the years and, and the ministry together and the friendships and all the things. I just, it, God really struck me with that. And then last week as we did our breakfast, our New Year's breakfast together, all the people that showed up and the good time that we have, I just want to recognize you guys. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate being a part uh, of this church. It's been, been a special journey uh, for sure. So speaking of New Year's resolutions, um, I don't really do that. I'm teasing about the workout. I mean, I really did go to the gym, and it may very well be the only time this year I go, but I did do it. I hope that's not the case, but that very, <laughs> I know how my life goes. And the decisions I make aren't always um, the best. But what, when New Year's comes around, one of the cool things about it, like I'm not much of a holiday guy, but I do like the turnover of the New Year because I like the idea of new. I like the idea of being able to start over. I love the passage in scripture that says, his mercy is new every morning. That I can wake up in the morning and God's mercy is new. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, I understand that the greater context of this passage is God's going to do something through Jesus Christ. He's going to bring a, a new covenant and a new revelation of who he is. But God is a God of new. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I love the idea of the old going away and taking on the new. I, I like change. I'm one of those people that like change when it comes around because it's exciting and it's different. So when the new year comes around, we, we start making these decisions because we want our lives to be more fulfilling. I want this year to be better than last year. If you got to the end of December and went, I didn't change one bit this year. I didn't live the life I wanted to live this year. Maybe there were areas of your life that you went, eh, I'd like that to be better. And so we make resolutions and we make decisions about how we're going to be different. But what, what do we really think is going to make for a fulfilling life? What are, what are the things that come to your mind when, when you think about what, would I, what do I want to do differently to have a more fulfilling life? Boy, if only I were smarter, I'd have a better life. If only I were better looking, I'd have a better life. If I had more money, I'd have a better life. If I had more talent, if I was better at what I do, 
All these things that I might want in order to have a more fulfilling life. Well, I can tell you, and we all know it. Just because you're smarter doesn't make you happier. In fact, Solomon has some things to say about that, doesn't he? In his wisdom. Sometimes knowledge doesn't make you happier. It makes you realize the despair that the world is really in. And the brokenness of this life. Looks fade, don't they? Maybe you dated a very, very attractive person and then realized it was a disaster. Life doesn't make you better just because you're better looking. Don't point at that person. No elbows. More money. Man, there's always this temptation. I drive down Montana Avenue and I see that number on that electronic billboard. You notice that when you're driving? It's like a number I don't even know. It's so long. And it has a dollar sign in front of it. It's at the Montana Lottery Building. And I'm like, what would I do with that money? And when I've really taken the time to think about it, I'm like, I'd have to get rid of it really fast. Man, I don't think money would really make my life more fulfilling. See, the, the thing is, is, is that you and I make decisions. And we're going to start a series this week about decision-making. How we decide what to do with our lives. When we start the new year, we make some decisions. I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to make this new year's resolution. I want my year to be like this or like that. We make decisions, but the problem is we're not always the best decision makers. If we took the time this morning to pass the mic and I'll talk about decisions we've made that weren't very good, we could be here a while, couldn't we? For those of us that were even willing to share them. How many of you got your wife a blender for Christmas? Not a good decision. Actually, they have some really cool blenders now, really wireless ones and stuff like that. Those are pretty cool. Or a vacuum cleaner. I don't know. That's a sucky gift. Anyway. Yeah, I said that. We're not always the greatest decision makers, but the quality of our decisions often determines the quality of our lives. When we're making poor decisions over and over and over, the quality of our life tends to deteriorate. And when we're making good decisions in the way that we live, our life tends to get better with our decisions. We have control over our decisions. It's something that we contribute to our lives. The better decisions we make often improve the quality of our life. It's pretty amazing that God actually gives us the ability to choose. I want to look at the book of Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. How many trees? Every tree. I just, did you ever notice this? There's a lot of different trees. God says you can eat from any of them. Who's choosing which tree to eat from? Adam. But he goes on to say this. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. When you want to understand the foundation for a story, you always start at the beginning, right? And in the very beginning we see that God gave man opportunities to choose. And he also gave man boundaries within to make those choices. And it's very profound that God would choose to do that because he knows what's going to happen He knows how much heartache can come by our choices when we choose. So he gave the boundaries. Don't go outside these lines. But within within these lines, you can make choices about what you do. We skip ahead to verse 19. He He hasn't even made the female yet. He hasn't made woman yet. 
He's working with the man, with Adam, and he says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. To see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Who chose the names of the animals? Now this may seem simple like a children's story, but think of how profound this is that God gave man the power to decide what these animals' names would be. There's actually a significant authority here taking place. All right, what do you, what do you call that one? Uh, bird. 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 That's a bird. All right, bird. It's a bird. Write it down. That's what it's going to be called. Now was that the cow or is that the dog? That's the dog. Or is it a cow? No, that's a dog. God gave man the power to choose what he would do, what he would name the animals, what tree he would eat from. And man even went outside the boundaries of God's uh, decisions. God made this boundary and man goes outside of it. He makes a poor decision. We make poor decisions. We're not always good decision makers. When it, here was a Christmas. I mean, how many of us made bad decisions about our diet during December? I got so many. Oh, thank you for being honest. I got to get you guys to raise your hands. Well, come on. We're, we're vibrant. We're alive. We got life. Are you with me? Okay. <laughs> Except I'm asking you to, to, to uh, confess. How many of you were out of line with your diet in December? You, you, ate, you ate too much. You drank too much. You spent too much money. What did you do? We don't make good decisions all the time. I mean, there are foods that come out at Christmas time that I don't even know what they are. They're sweet and they're good, all right? We don't always make good decisions. What about our money? We go out to spend money, and, and I, I, I don't know, I'm really selfish, but when I'm out Christmas shopping, I almost want to spend more on myself than I am for everybody else. Impulsive buying. Oh, I want that. Oh, I need that. I know my budget doesn't allow it, but I'm going to go ahead and decide to make the impulsive purchase. I'm going to decide to eat the food I wasn't going to eat. I'm going to say those words, and I might regret them. Sometimes in our poor decision-making and our impulsiveness, we end up hurting the people we love the most because of our poor decision-making. God gave us the power to make decisions influence over our own lives, what kind of decisions are we making? Why do we struggle? We're broken. We have sin. It causes us to struggle in our decision-making. Uh, one of the studies I was looking at this week and verifying was true says that we make about 35,000 decisions a day. Can you believe that? Not all conscious, necessarily. 35,000 decisions a day. Over 200 choices a day just about food. Who studies this stuff? And who's paying them? Anyway, that's what they say. 35,000 decisions a day. What does that lead to? Being overwhelmed. When you're out Christmas shopping, you've got all these stores, you've got all these items, you go on Amazon. It's overwhelming, the number of things to choose from. I can't even pick a restaurant to take my wife to dinner. There's so many. We can get overwhelmed with the number of decisions that we have. And we, decision fatigue is a real thing. Studies show that decision fatigue is real. Uh, I, I learned one time that uh, both Steve Jobs, 
For those of you who don't know who he is, he was one of the founders of Apple, or the founder of Apple. Or uh, Barack Obama. They, they suffered from decision fatigue. They're making such big decisions every single day that they're having other people. Uh, Steve Jobs wore the same clothes every day. Barack Obama, the same thing. They didn't want to have to decide what to wear. Jenny, would you be willing to just line up my closet with what I'm going to wear every day this week? So I don't have to think about it because I already have too many decisions to make. I don't want to decide where to eat. I don't want to decide what flavor of ice cream. I don't want to think about what time. I got too many decisions to make. And we get overwhelmed. I want you to think about this just as a, uh, my fellow nerds in the room. Think about this. If we're making 35,000 decisions a day and there are 7 billion people on the planet... 35, 7, carry the 1. That's 245 trillion decisions a day. Do you hear what I'm saying? 245 trillion decisions a day. Times 365 days a year. Not doing that math for you. Times however many thousands of years man's been around. This really makes me think about the sovereignty of God. And this idea, did you know that the return of Jesus is already in God's mind? It's on his calendar. He already knows. If we were completely subject to 245 trillion random decisions a day, we would be living in utter destructive chaos. But there is an alpha and omega on the throne holding all things together, driving all things through time and space towards his determined outcomes. That should give us some security. Because if we were left to our own devices with that many decisions, we would be living in total and utter chaos and disorder. And yet God holds all things together. He says, I am the alpha. I am the omega. He's already spoken things that he will do and he will complete. And you and I, despite our poor decisions or despite the number of decisions that people make or all the people that we disagree with or even are our enemies that make decisions, we still can rest assured that God is on his throne holding all things together. Okay, well, let's bring, drill down into maybe some more personal thoughts about this. Here's another reason that we struggle. Okay, we're overwhelmed with decisions. There's so many to make. We'll avoid them. But another thing that we do is we fear making the wrong choice. How many of you are afraid of making the wrong choice? Come on. Every day, I don't want to make the wrong choice. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make Janny angry. I don't want to make God angry. Maybe in the other order, but pretty close. We make, we make these decisions, especially as Christians, we struggle with our decision-making because we don't want to get outside the will of God. Like God has a, he has a plan, he has purposes, he is good. I don't want to make a mistake. I've got, my kids are, you know, I've got two out of the house and two still in the house. And we're going through those phases of college and career and trying to decide. And, and I might frustrate some of you parents right now. But one of the things, the pressure that we put on the kids is that you need to decide now what you're going to do and be the rest of your life. That is a ridiculous expectation. There are a few people who just know. My wife is one of them. She knew she wanted to be a nurse from the time she was a little girl, and just, that's what she did. And there are some of you that are like that. But for most of us, you get to the age of 18. I mean, I'm 45. I still don't know. Am I 45? Yeah. Am I? Yeah, I am. 
I'm 45. I still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. I mean, I'm doing this now. Can I tell you, today is your destiny. We're always worried about this destiny down the road that I'm somehow going to miss. And you're going to get there and realize the whole journey was your destiny. The whole journey was part of it. You know, and, if you, and, and we get afraid. What if I pick the wrong college? What if I pick the wrong major? What if I marry the wrong person? And I don't, I don't think God works like that. It's like, if I make one out of the 35,000 decisions I will make, if I make one wrong one, my eternal destiny is now forever screwed up. What kind of a horrible pressure to live under? And what is the solution? God cares about you. God's part of your process. We'll look at some of those verses more as we go. We want to be in the will of God. We want to make the right choice. So, But I, I don't think, it was something that was said years ago in my life, I don't think God's a plan B God. Because, I mean, there wouldn't be enough letters of the alphabet to fulfill what plan I'm on for all the mistakes I've made. And yet I trust that I am where I'm supposed to be despite all the dumb decisions I've made or the poor decisions or the foolish decisions. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. It's very interesting and it can be a tough subject to understand. I'm making all these decisions every day and yet somehow God is still in control. How does this work? Well, if you figure that out, you will have solved something that mankind has never been able to figure out. But here's what we know for sure. That we make our plans, and we have choices, and they're important choices, and they matter. What you do with your decisions matters. God gives you a power and authority in your life, and yet he's holding the whole thing together. So even within those boundaries, if we're, okay, well, I, I went to the wrong school for six months. I'm out of there. I'm going back home. I'm going to figure this out. That's okay. That's part of your journey. God will establish your steps. So in our heart, we're planning. We're like Adam. I'm going to name this this, and I'm going to name that that. I'm going to eat from this tree. I'm going to, and our lives are the same way. We're, we're making our decisions about what to do, and all the while trusting that God is guiding us. You know, when, when, you know, when we're talking to a young person about who should I marry, you know, or should I marry this person, I don't have a, a, just the greatest advice for you. Because when Janie and I were dating and I was starting to think about asking her to marry me, which the fact that I even had to think about it was dumb, right? I mean, I should have just known, right? <laughs> but I, I'm a logical person and I'm considering all the different angles on this and wondering, and I kept wanting God to just... Come on, just make her glow or something. Send me something in the mail. Like, I need a sign. I want an absolute for sure. This is absolutely what you should do, JR. And I never, ever once felt that God said, do this. You know what? I, I always felt like he was saying, do you want to? Do you want to? That's a scary, really? You're going to give me the power to choose? I tell, my, I tell my daughters, I'll pick your spouse for you. <laughs> yeah, that worked when they were five. It doesn't work anymore. Should have got in writing. We have the power to choose. God sees all things, but we can't comprehend his view. It's beyond something you could ever understand or describe. And so he gives us the power to choose. And, and I, I remember thinking about it and just going, 
I like Jannie. We're, we're a good fit in so many ways. She drives me crazy in these couple of ways, but I think this could really work. I want to marry this girl. And so I did. Did I make the right choice? Of course. What kind of a dumb question is that? I think that when it comes to... I think God has given you the power to choose what you want. Adam had the choice. Do I want to eat from this tree today or this tree today? I know I can't eat from that tree. That's my boundary. But within those boundaries, I have these choices. And and I, I think that we can freak ourselves out worrying about somehow missing the eternal destiny of God. Listen, if it's 35,000 decisions a day and it's totally up to your decisions and your free will, then we're all, it's over, forget it. But that's not the way it is. God guides our steps in the end. I always tell people, if, if you really want to open this door to the next phase of your life, whatever it is, it's a career, or you're going to move, or a dating relationship or something, you're going to open that door and go that way, just be paying attention to God. Because you might walk through a door that he doesn't want you to go through. You can trust him to go, stop. He's your loving father. You know, it's like when you watch your kid. They grab the screwdriver and they start going towards the outlet. And you watch them and you watch them and you watch them and they get right here and you go, wait, don't do that. That's a dumb idea. God's like that. When we start walking through, but we got to be paying attention. We got to be submitting our lives to him. Another reason we make bad decisions is our emotions overrule our logic. We're compulsive, impulsive. You know, that's what temptation is. We get in a situation where we're tempted and our emotions start rolling and our flesh starts yelling at us. And so then we make bad decisions. And we get overwhelmed and all of a sudden all of our logic goes out the window or whatever we wanted to do, it goes away. Sometimes we just analyze things to death. Analysis to paralysis. Have you heard of that? Might be something I have. They don't make a prescription for it. It's a thing. We overanalyze things. We respond emotionally when our kid, well, maybe when the kid's going towards the outlet with the screwdriver, and you freak out. Ah! Scream, yell when your kid upsets you. Yelling, screaming, emotional reaction. That's not the parent you wanted to be, but boom, your emotions overwhelm you and you make poor decisions. Same with your spouse or someone else that you love. Emotional reactions often lead to poor decisions. We let our emotions... So when when we're under the pressure, it's not always the best time to make an impulsive decision. We end up hurting people. Don't make permanent decisions just based on emotions. Temptation is like that. I deserve this. You ever hear people say that? I deserve this ice cream. I deserve this new ice fishing pole. I deserve, we don't deserve anything. But that's our emotions coming up and pushing us to make decisions that maybe aren't that great. One thing in this series called, we're calling it pre-decide. It's something that, Life Church has done in the past, and I think it's a a great idea. But it says, decide before you're in this situation. You know, one of the things we teach about is sexual purity. And if you don't make up your mind what you want ahead of time, you know, then you find yourself in a situation, or you're an addict. You know, if you're a recovered alcoholic or a recovering alcoholic and you know that you're going to find yourself in situations where other people are drinking alcohol, you have to have made up your mind well in advance what decision you're going to make. 
Otherwise, if you wait till you're in the moment, the emotion and the moment skews your judgment and you make poor decisions. The same is true with our sexuality. If, if you're in a dating relationship and you, you wait till the, the very edge of disaster, you're not going to make a good decision. Those kind of things. Whatever you value, you got to be thinking about ahead of time. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Here's the thing. We, we, God is in control. He's over all things. But sometimes we don't commit our work to the Lord. We just do our own thing and we make our own decisions and we don't consider what he has to say. I often refer to the, the passage that says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. There's a requirement there. In all of your ways you need to acknowledge him. You need to commit your work to the Lord. When you're bringing your life before the Lord and your decisions before the Lord on a regular basis in prayer and in quietness and, and listening for the work of his Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to be better informed to make your decisions and he will guide your path. But if you're just running like a, a sprinter in a race or driving like a bulldozer making all your decisions and not talking to God, you don't get to be offended when things don't work out the way you wanted because you didn't submit your way to him. You just made up your mind on your own will. And, and so we, we have to find this balance of we do need to make decisions. We can't run around. We can't just be indecisive and unfruitful and unproductive. God made us to work. He made us to decide. He made us to produce. He made us to be fruitful and to subdue the earth. We need to do that and make decisions about that. I think he gives us the power and authority to do that. But we need to be doing it all while submitting it to him so he can guide our path. So that if we start down the wrong trail with something, he's right there to go, hey, let's shift gears here. Let's change and go a different direction. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. I, I cut it up a little bit here, but it says, Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose. You have the choice. Choose who you will serve. Make a decision about who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in this situation with Joshua, he's looking down the road and he knows that Israel is going to be tempted. He knows there's going to be other gods trying to infiltrate them. Choose today so that as the days go by, decide ahead of time. So when you're presented with a temptation or you're presented with a difficult circumstance, you already know who you are and what you're going to do. Determine your course of action before the moment of decision. I want to give some examples here from the scripture. So Abraham, he had, God had made him a promise that he would have a son. You know, God is going to make his own nation out of Abraham. He hasn't chosen any of the nations of the world. He's going to make his own. And so he finds this man of faith, Abraham. And when he's way past old age, he gives him a son. And this is a long journey, a long story for those that don't know it. And then one day God says to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. What? Okay, first of all, that, there's a, that's crazy. You want me to sacrifice my son? And yet Abraham prepares to do it. So Abraham is now presented with a... Uh, if I could say it, an extreme situation. But he's already made up his mind that he's going to obey the Lord. God has been faithful. So I'm going to do what God tells me. God, Abraham already knew, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to obey him. And then when a difficult decision comes along, I'm going to make the decision God wants me to make, even if it's hard. Now, of course, we know God did not want Abraham to literally sacrifice Isaac. But because Abraham was faithful, God blessed him. And God rescued Isaac at the last moment. Look at Ruth and Naomi. In the book of Ruth, she, she commits to her, her mother-in-law. Your people are going to be my people. Your country, my country. Your God, my God. Where you go, I go. 
She committed ahead of time, this is what I'm going to do. I'm deciding this. I've pre-decided, and, and she did, and she was faithful. Daniel's a good one. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. Daniel resolved, we'll probably look at Daniel more in the weeks ahead. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. So there's a situation where you know, Daniel's in exile. He's in Babylon. He's, a, he's a, basically a servant or slave of the ruling king of Babylon. And they have foods that Jews are not allowed to eat. And Daniel made up his mind. I'm not going to defile myself. Before he ever had the opportunity. And then he goes um, to the guy who handles the food for the servants and requests this of him. And that's honored. Daniel valued something so he decided ahead of time what his decision would be like. We need to think about these things. We need to think about what we value. When your values are clear, your decisions are easier. So what do you value? You value integrity? I value integrity. I hope you value integrity as well. Okay, so I know that tax season is coming, and I'm not going to like it. But what am I going to choose to do now? I'm pre-deciding now. I'm not going to cheat on my taxes. I've talked to so many people who use different kinds of arguments about render to Caesar what is Caesar's and as little as I possibly can and fudge the truth in order to not pay their taxes. That's not integral. That lacks honesty. Make a decision ahead of time. If I find myself in a situation where I make a mistake, what if I get pulled over? What if I... You know, whatever the thing is, am I going to respond with integrity? Sooner or later, that might happen. What am I going to do? How am I going to treat the officer? How about this? Driving, I told you this morning the roads were crazy. And there's, you know, squiggly marks on the road where people had clearly slid around and nearly went off the road. And all of a sudden, somebody decided to pass me at like 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Now, here's the thing. Fortunately, I pre-decided that if anyone ever does that, I'm joking, I didn't pre-decide this, that I'm going to pray they go to heaven, okay, right? Rather than anything else. Or no sign language, no universal sign language of, I don't like what you just did in your car. Not going to demonstrate what that is. I make up my mind ahead of time, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I know I'm going to want to road rage, I know that. People are going to make me angry in their vehicles from time to time. I'm deciding now that I value my integrity or compassion or whatever it is more than the angry moment. So I'm going to choose from this point forward. I'm going to not be giving people the bird while I'm driving. That's not my New Year's resolution, okay? A friend of mine, uh, Brian Acey, who's a former pastor here, his wife, Margaret, there, there was a story they told, and I contacted Brian this week to verify this is true. I couldn't remember for sure. But they used to say, make the decision before you're in the foxhole. Make a decision before, you know what a foxhole is when you're out at war and you dig a hole and you're hiding in the hole? That's not always the best place to be making life decisions. That's high stress, high emotion, very, very extreme. Don't wait till you're in the foxhole to make a decision. Well, they have a story with this. It's actually a good story and a good decision, I think. But Margaret's dad was in war I actually don't know which war. I would guess World War II or Korea. But he was in a foxhole. And he told God, if I get out of this, I will have as many children as you want me to. Interesting thing to decide to promise God. It's like Sylvester Stallone when he's way out in the water drowning. Have you seen this movie? 
way back. This is old school. He's way out in the water. He's about to drown. God, if you save me, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll give a tenth of my money. And the closer he gets to shore, the less promises he's making. By the time he gets to shore, he's like, ah, I wish you would have helped me out or something. You know, it's totally, totally terrible. So, so what happens to Margaret's dad? Obviously, since he's Margaret's dad, he went on and he had, they had ten children. And one of them passed away at birth. Now they have all, all these grandchildren. He, he was in this tight moment, and he made a pretty wild promise to God, if you get me out of this foxhole in this war, I'm going to have as many kids as you want. And, you know, but the foxhole isn't always the best place to be making life decisions. Decide ahead of time, before you're under the pressure, before you're in the moment. Here's the thing. We're going to be talking about values in the next few weeks. We don't always make good decisions. Romans 7.24 says, wretched man that I am. We reflect on all our decisions, and we're like, ah, I'm a mess, but who will save me? Jesus will save me. Here's the thing that's important to remember. We want to improve our decision-making. We want to make better decisions, good decisions. They build upon each other, like exponentially, like compound interest almost. Keep making good decisions. Things can go very well for you. But here's the thing. We're not saved by the quality of our decisions. Okay, You didn't make enough good decisions that Jesus finally went, Okay, you're in. That's not how it works. You're saved by grace. God God made a way. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. See, this is good news. Because the normal thinking is that if I make enough good decisions, God will save me. And if I make too many bad decisions, he won't. But that's not good news. Because we'd all be in trouble. Especially at 35,000 decisions a day. But actually, Jesus made a way, and your justification doesn't come by all your good decisions. It comes because of a gift of Jesus Christ. It comes because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross to help you with your decision-making process. To help you make good choices and to save you, to rescue you. He loves you. He rescues you. So here's the thing. If you're beating yourself up for all the bad decisions you make and wonder if God might hate you because you've been dumb sometimes, God does not hate you. God does not hate you for your decisions. He loves you and wants, you to, help make, wants to help you make good decisions. He wants you to submit those decisions to him. Submit your life to him and he will guide you. But you are saved by grace through faith. If you've never given your life to Jesus, here's my encouragement to you today. The first step to making good decisions is to make him the Lord of your life. I've I've teased quite a bit lately, but you don't make a very good God. You're not really good at it. You make a lot of decisions, probably important decisions, valuable decisions. But when it comes to being God, you're not very good at that. Let him be that. Let him be your Lord. Submit your decisions to him. Submit your life to him. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Would you stand, please? So as we're going into a new year, new things, hopefully new adventures, I want to encourage you with those Proverbs today. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Submit your decisions to him. But make your decisions. God has given you some freedom and flexibility to choose things as well. Do so wisely. Lord, I pray for each one that's here this morning. God, that as we face so many different decisions in our lives, Lord, that you would help us to be wise.
Lord, that you would help us to understand where your boundaries are in life and what your character and nature is in the various things that we face. God, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be there whispering, nudging, ministering, speaking, however you want to say it, Lord, working in hearts and minds. God, helping us see the value of certain decisions we're about to make, difficult decisions that we're facing. Lord, whatever anyone is facing in this room, and God, particularly those who who have never really submitted their lives to you, said, Jesus, you be the boss. Lord, that you would be continuing to draw them near to you. Your word says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He stands at the door of your life, knocking and wanting in to fellowship with you and to do life with you. I encourage you to let him in and let him do that work. And Lord, we pray for a blessing on each one as they go this week, that your spirit would be reminding us of your word as we make our decisions. In Jesus' name, amen.